it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. This guy is absolutely elite. It's kind of like you're looking at your brother. I didn't know who had more energy. Judd Zolgad. I even hesitate to disagree with him because he's so knowledgeable and he knows way more than I ever will. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, gentlemen, we got Myron Medcalf in here from ESPN. Judd on vacation. And uh, we used to do, for the last year, Vikings prop bets and over-unders every Wednesday or Thursday on the show. And, uh, like, that was fun, but we want to open up the scope here for all Minnesota sports. We want to be more inclusive here. So we have Minnesota prop bets, Minnesota sports prop bets. I'm going to throw some random stuff at you guys. I'm going to throw one first at Myron, Dave, because uh, we already did this one last week with the Gopher basketball team, which just got absolutely destroyed by Michigan State, as expected the other night. That was ugly. Yeah. Like when Tom Izzo has to, at the end of the press conference, say, hey, Minnesota media. Yeah. I just want you to know that we feel terrible for you. And this is even Duke and Kentucky and Michigan State. You lose that many players. Like, just know that we feel for you. It was a little awkward, actually, being there. I was like, "Eh, this is bad. Like, it's almost like he was like patting everyone on the head. Exactly. It was like, I don't know if this helped. But did Um, he? But he said it to like the media, right? Not the team. No, just to the media. Like, go basically go easy on (laughs) on Richard, will you, please? Yeah. So we're going to go expanded thoughts from you on the Gopher basketball program in the show here. But the Gophers have lost eight straight games. They've lost eleven of twelve. Their only win is an overtime win at Penn State on January fifteenth. Three games left on their schedule here, not counting the Big Ten tournament at Wisconsin, home against Iowa. At number six, Purdue. Very simple question. Over or under .5 wins the rest of the way for the Gopher basketball team? Under. Will they win a game? No. Under. No. Um, being at that Michigan State game in the second half, I thought there were a couple guys who were still playing hard, Nate Mason and some other, but they just they were broken. I think they're broken. You know, I think they're just one of those teams where they're like, this is so bad, we just want the season to end. They're not going to win a game the rest of the way. I think most of us said they can beat Wisconsin or Iowa, right? When we said this a week ago, they had five games left. But the word broken seems to fit here. And, you know, this is where if you're going to start to divvy up blame, even bad luck, you know, injuries yeah. with Eric Curry, Dupree McBrayer, and Amir Coffey. Reggie Lynch is another category uh, in itself. But then there's another layer here that I can't wrap my arms around completely. I've been on the Richard Pitino bandwagon for even when they were a two-win team in conference. But for some of your backups to play minutes, like Bakari Kanate and some of these guys, Michael Hurt, and really give you nothing outside of setting screens. You know, if, if you've been in the program that long and you got to step up for somebody, you should be able to grab eight rebounds, go out and be able to score in the paint and hit some free throws. And, I mean, they're playing some amazingly empty minutes from guys who have to step in for starters, and it's hard to watch. 
Yeah, this is actually where I will stand up for Richard Pitino with all the injuries and that. He's got practice players getting game minutes. For sure. Like, the guys on the court are, are your practice guys. I mean, between Curry and Dupree uh, and Reggie and Amir's injury, now you're getting into that, you know, 11th, 12th guy that shouldn't be playing. At the same time, I don't know what offense they're running. I was watching that Michigan State game, and that two-man offense, basically Nate Mason, Jordan Murphy sets a high screen, rolls, maybe shoots the jump shot, maybe goes to the post, Nate Mason jacks up a three. Like, that's all it was. So Michigan State's just like, okay, just guard those two dudes. It's two on five. Yeah, let everybody With else. With like three guys setting screens yes. and trying not to commit fouls. Yeah, yeah that's, all, that's all it was. But I, I think, you know, Richard is playing with half the team, less than half the team from a personnel standpoint that he started the season with. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's another one. We'll start with Dave on this one. We'll go around the room. So the Timberwolves franchise record for wins in a season is 58. Let's take that off the board. That was 2003-04. They were the number one seed. We'll take that off the board. The second most wins in franchise history, 51. I think it was like the year before. They, they won 51 games. The current team is on pace, if my math is right, for like 48-ish, 48-49 wins. So over or under 51 and a half wins, and I'll give you guys a little little research here. Here's their upcoming schedule. Uh, well, they get to play Los Angeles at home. That's tonight. Uh, that's TNT. That's the Flip Saunders tribute. At Houston on Friday, then they get a couple easier games, all-star break uh, on the horizon here. You go at Portland, at Utah, home against Boston, home against Golden State, at the Wizards, at San Antonio, home against Houston. That's in succession with no gimme games in between. You also still have a game at Philadelphia, and uh, your schedule lightens up there a little bit in the in the final couple weeks. So with that in mind, the schedule's pretty tough. They're on pace to flirt with the second most wins in franchise history, over or under 51 and a half. David? You flirt, but you don't get there. I think preseason I was putting them at like 50 tops, so that seems about right. I think going over 51 with the uh, murderer's row you just laid down coming after the All-Star break, get to 48, and I think you're very happy with that. Myron? I'm there, too. I, I mean, I think they'll get close. I'm going to go under. I just don't. I think this next slate after the All Star break, that's going to be difficult for them to overcome. They're going to have to do some catching up later in the season. I think. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be under. It's. I think they're going to get closer. They're going to. You look at the schedule and your automatic Wolves reaction mentally is, oh my god, they're going to lose all those games because yeah. they've, they've. But they're not. They're gonna, they might go 500. And, it's possible that they beat the Warriors in a home game because the Warriors are kind of throttled back 80% right now. Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me if they went on the road and beat San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard. They could win some of those games. But when you already have losses against bad Eastern Conference teams like the Hawks and the Nets and uh, the Bulls game that you're up by 15 points, that prevents you from, from getting to that 52-53 win range. So I'm going to take the under as well on that one. Uh, all right, Vikings... Quarterback, prop bet question. Kirk Cousins, who might get paid as the highest quarterback in the NFL here sometime in the next month or so. You you can officially start signing free agents in a a month from yesterday. Kirk Cousins as a Viking, what percentage chance would you put on it? Kirk Cousins to be the Viking starting quarterback in week one, what percentage chance would you put on it, Dave? I don't see him opening the wallet for uh, Kirk Cousins. I just don't see it happening. It's, I think, no higher than 15, maybe 20%, but probably on the lower end. Okay. Myron? 60%. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. I think Ziggy realizes how close this team is to the promised land. 
Reckless speculation. <laughs> Reckless speculation. That's my I nickname. Love that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly think that I think a lot of teams are going to see Kirk Cousins as a solution. But this team, I think, is going to surprise people and go after him and spin big. So, okay, Pelissero was on with us for four hours yesterday, and he said something. like He kind of crystallized this whole argument in a way that I hadn't. It's obvious, but not obvious. He said, he said two things. You don't want to go in when you're in a win-now mode. You don't want to go into the season with a giant question mark at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater's knee is a huge question mark, yeah. obviously. Case Keenum repeating his performance with a different offensive coordinator, even you know, even the great year he had, like the five years before that with different systems and infrastructure were disasters. Yep. That's a big question mark. Kirk Cousins is no longer like you know to some degree what you're getting in Kirk Cousins. Now what you don't know is if you have to pay him more money than any other quarterback, is that gonna cripple your the rest of your roster at some point? But you know with Kirk Cousins more what you're getting than almost any other option. That would be out there. So that, like, the if you think about it that way, it makes more sense that the Vikings would say, "All right, it's been a quarterback carousel for about two decades in this franchise, going back to Rich Gannon and Jim McMahon and Warren Moon, all the way to Matt Castle and the weird Josh Freeman thing on a Monday night. It's like it's just been a rotating door, and you could end the rotating door by signing Kirk Cousins, even if you have to overpay." So with that said, to answer the over-under question of the percentage, I think it's 50-50. I'm a little I'm I'm more than Dave, but I'm a little less than Myron. Yeah. I think they're gonna get into a like a bidding war with the Jets and the Browns and maybe the Broncos and the and the Cardinals can find a way to, to clear more cap space. But if you think about it that way, they haven't had a solidified answer outside of Dante Culpepper for a few years before he blew the knee out. And they could, if they wanted to, there's nothing stopping them. Like it's the best. It's the best option for Kirk Cousins if they offer the same amount of money. So it's kind of up to the Vikings. Do you want to end your quarterback rotation of of a quarter century and the ball's in their court? I just don't know how you get back to a position like this. It may take decades to have this young defense, these playmakers waiting for a guy who can throw the ball, who can get you to the promised land. After watching what Foles did, after watching what Tom Brady did, like this is a quarterback's league. You got to spend at some point if you want to get there. I think the Vikings are going to sign Kirk Cousins. This is by far their best option. I mean, there's no question this is best option. It might be an offensive coordinator league now that you mentioned Nick Foles. Maybe that's what it is. Well, he played out of his mind mind those two games. You know, I mean, he made the plays. But I think if you're Kirk and you want to win now and you want to get to the Super Bowl, you sign with Minnesota. Yeah, it's. I mean, from Kirk Cousins' standpoint, if you're going to start to – and there's reports out that – that if if the Vikings offer anything near equal money to some of the other teams, that, yeah, he would for sure come. Why would you not want to? Especially, you just came from Washington, which is mostly a dumpster fire of a franchise, and they're firing coaches every three years. Their defense has been atrocious. The weapons are better here. So whatever he did in Washington, you'd have to think that his performance has a chance to be elevated with Thielen, Diggs, mm-hmm. with John D. Filippo, and Mike Zimmer in the defense. And no one's going to ask you like they did in Washington to score 31 points on a regular basis if you want to win a game. You only have to score about 20, maybe 24. Like on the road, you might have to score 24. That's how you win here. This is by far, like I said, his best option. Like, are you a fan of Saved by the Bell? Oh, my God. I may or not have a a Kelly Kapowski life-size cutout in my workroom at home. Yeah. Everybody else to me is Jesse right now if you're Kirk Cousins. And I like Jesse. Wow. I think Minnesota's Kelly. You're casting shade upon Jesse. No, 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 no. no. I think Minnesota. Just because she had some pill problems. Listen. 
listen, she we was excited. She was so excited. I get it. <laughs> Kelly is Minnesota right now. That's all I'm saying. Minnesota's Kelly. If Kelly's available, you're coming to Minnesota. Who's That's Lisa? The Jets? The Browns? Maybe. The Jets, maybe. You know? I think no, the Browns I, no, are no, screech, actually, I think. No, Lisa would be, so who's the glitzy, it would be like the, the Giants, where it's like glitzy, but you're not quite sure yeah. if you want a long-term relationship there. you got to see good, more. That's a good way. That's a little bit too materialistic, it. maybe. Yeah, Lisa was she a She was into fashion. She was into a lot of things. <laughs> and and you, Screech could never figure it out. And you got Roger Goodell and Mr. Belding looking over yes, everything. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> It's all one big Saved by the Bell episode, man. I love now how much uh, Dennis Haskins is, is his real name, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. I love how he like, goes to sporting events. You'll just see him at... He goes to Fort Myers Miracle Games. I think he lives in Fort Myers, so he'll show up to like Twins minor league games. He's been Mr. Belden for like 30 years. That's a great gig if you can get it. You play that Being card a TV as dad, long as you're alive. Being yeah. a great TV dad, you can live off that for a lifetime. Ric Flair and Mr. Belding have made yes. their entire lives off of just living their character, right? <laughs> the 80s were great, Show up man. to the bar, order some shots, and have, have women take pictures with you. That's it. It's a great life to lead. Uh, let's check in. Speaking of Fort Myers, let's check in next and get an update on twin spring training and other items. Derek Wetmore has actually has his first twins 25-man roster projected now, but um, it's missing one big thing, a pitcher that they still haven't traded for or signed. Wetmore and Fort Myers also will get into a bunch of gopher basketball discussion. And later on, Matthew Collar with some Vikings offseason stuff in the noon. Myron Medcalf in for Judd. Let's talk about the number one TV brand in America America's fastest growing TV brand. It's TCL. And on top of just having the built-in Roku device and the 4K picture quality and uh, and just like all kinds of bells and whistles and 4,000 plus streaming channels, TCL is also helping to offer one of the great viewing experiences in arena in the country. So renovated Target Center. If you haven't been there yet, it's incredible. Uh, it's just it's 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 much better than it was you know a year or two ago when it just felt very antiquated. And on top of that, the TCL theater boxes are some of the best places to watch a game in the entire country. The Wolves are taking on the Grizzlies on March 26th. You can get into a theater box, a TCL theater box, for tickets by going to 1500ESPN.com and entering the keyword TCL. We're talking VIP experience, five-star cuisine, a lounge area, oversized chairs, dramatic views of the arena. 1500ESPN.com, keyword TCL. Mackie and Judd. Two guys, Woo! one topic. Sports. Mackie and Judd are back. Hamburg is crazy. On 1500 ESPN. The sweet smell of, well, mostly melting snow here in the Twin Cities, but Derek Wetmore is down at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers for the next several weeks covering Twin Spring training. You can find a bunch of new stuff on the Touch Em All podcast feed. We, we, pumped, we recorded for like two hours the other day. And uh, gave you guys a bunch of reckless speculation on the Twins. So, Derek, what is, I know you have a piece on 1500ESPN.com, a 25-man roster projection, your first of the offseason. Obviously, there's a glaring omission, whoever they sign to be a starting pitcher here uh, or, or trade for. But what are some of the biggest battles or some of the biggest things you're looking at to round out that roster? Well, you can't publish a roster projection without saying, hey, I'll bet you all of my money that this is going to be wrong. I guess we already <laughs> know they're going to have to add another starting pitcher. So the four guys I picked, yeah, they might make the club. They might come north, but they're not going to be the starting rotation on their own. So that's the number one thing with a bullet to watch. 
Uh, some names in the bullpen that are interesting, and there are a few set positions, but then a lot of competition in the bullpen. Um, position player side of things, Phil, is fairly well set. They've got a lot of guys coming back from last year, mostly young players starting to establish themselves. Um, I'll be curious to see who the DH is. I'll be curious to see how often Max Kepler plays. But, I mean, those are minor minor details compared to the number one question in spring training is, what is this starting rotation going to look like in March? Derek Meyer Metcalf here. Should the Twins have done more to go after you, Darvish? Meyer, it's a good question. Phil and I have kind of gone back and forth about that. I think Phil's kind of convinced me that, yes, that's the kind of pitcher the Twins should have gone after. Look, I know it's going to cost a lot of money, and I know that on the back half of that, it's probably not going to look very good. Most teams build that into their projections, though. They say, okay, all right, we're going to sign this guy for big money, and we're going to hope to cash in on a World Series in the first year, two years, three years, so that if he's overpaid a veteran in years four, five, and six or whatever, well, it's not going to be the end of the world because you already have a World Series. From that perspective, I can see why the Twins wouldn't want to be super aggressive because, frankly, I don't think they're a World Series caliber team right now. I think they're sort of in that next tier of teams that are right now hoping to compete for the postseason. Um, the other side of that coin, though, is that if you don't add a starting pitcher right now, I don't think this is a playoff team. I don't think this team makes the playoffs if they don't add a starting pitcher. It doesn't have to be the caliber of you, Darvish but I would have expected them to be aggressive in those sweepstakes, and I expect them to continue to be aggressive, both in trade conversations and in free agency, to fill out the top of the rotation so they can once again sort of get themselves back into that postseason conversation. So I want to add this to, to Myron's question there, because now that the contract details came out for you, Darvish, USA Today has the contract details. It's $126 million before incentives. I mean, if, if he wins like a, a back-to-back Cy Young Awards, he gets... There's incentives, but let's just take the six years, $126 million. It starts at $25 million, and then by the end, when he's 37, it's $18 million. So it's front-loaded for when he's in his prime and when he's most likely to perform at a high level. And then the Cubs are able to mitigate some of the risk at the end if he, if he plays the whole contact, uh, contract through for six years by only paying him $18 million. And by then, revenues are going to be up a little bit, and so $18 million might not be what it is right now. And there's a player opt-out after two years. So the, tw- the way the Twins look at it, well, we don't want to give a player opt-out after two years because what's the benefit to the team? And I would say the benefit to the team is you get you Darvish for two years True. when you have a chance to win the World Series maybe if you put a, a better pitching staff together. So now that you see the front-loaded contract, and I have no problem with the opt-out after two, I do think the Twins could have stood to be more aggressive and maybe make it a five-year deal and, and pack the money into five years instead of six and for all we know, they're not going to be super open about this. Maybe they did make a competitive offer. We know that it was five years and over 100. Maybe it was five years, 120, and some incentives, and he just wanted to play for the Cubs. Like, that's also a possibility. Yeah, let me throw this one at you because you talk about teams that can afford to spend. I've got a column coming later today about some trade candidates that the Twins could go after or should go after in the starting rotation. Now, some of them are in the last year of their deal and going to be free agents next year. It's the low cost. Another one of them, it's interesting to this U Darvish, and it's, it's way out there. So get the hot take police ready because this is, this is just not happening. Zach Granke has, <laughs> Zach Granke has four years and 120 some million left in his contract. That's a big contract. He's going to be very well paid into his mid to late thirties. Now, I'm not saying that 34 year old Zach Granke is going to be the best pitcher in the world in four years, but you talk about the Cubs. 
giving you Darvish a big contract over six years. They intentionally did six years, Phil, so that they could keep the average annual value down. Since they're up against the luxury tax, they need to worry about something like that. The Twins aren't even close to that luxury tax threshold. They could really afford to spend some money if they decide to. And for that reason, you wouldn't need to give up as much to get a big, fat, bloated contract for an aging pitcher who, for my money, is still one of the best pitchers in the world. Now, do I think it's going to happen? No, but the Twins have more freedom. Yeah, 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 I know. The Twins have more freedom to do something like that than the Chicago Cubs or the New York Yankees or the Los Angeles Dodgers. All those teams are up against that luxury tax. Do you want to pay $35 million to uh, Zach Greinke at age 37? Listen, I'm not going to I'm not gonna pull you over. Uh, this is just a warning. I'm not going to put you in jail for this. But if it, if you could get Zach Greinke for, for almost nothing, I'm fine paying him that money until he's 37. But if I have to give up, like, Nick Gordon, to, yeah, no. that might – I don't know. That's, oh, a, that's oh, a crazy no. contract. This centers around the idea that it would be a salary dump for Arizona, that they'd have to sweeten the pot. And maybe, you know, you give something going the other way. But I think everyone pretty much expects Granke will be overpaid in two years at whatever, $32 million or whatever. He's one of the highest paid pitchers in baseball, and he pitched really well last year. Not so well two years ago. So definitely some risk. And man, I'm happy to get off with just a warning from the hot take police. But I'm, I'm definitely going to throw that in the column just to maybe that'll grab some eyeballs or something. I don't know. Derek, I'm a big Byron Buxton guy. And, and you know, I, I want to see him reach his potential. Like, what's a reasonable expectation? We know what he does defensively, but what's reasonable to expect from him uh, in terms of his hitting? Well, I'm kind of looking at this as the first year that Byron Buxton emerges on the national stage. And by that, I mean, go ahead and make the AL All-Star team. And I think he's well within his rights to do that. I think he's capable of doing it, Myron. The defensive prowess has caught some eyes. People have started to talk about him nationally. Of course, playing in a playoff game in New York, you're going to have more people focusing on you. More people have heard the name Byron Buxton now. But I think he really came around offensively last year. He's hit more line drives. He's been more selective. He's still got some power. And, of course, the speed plays. So if he can continue to do what he did for a good stretch of last season, I don't think it's a stretch at all to call him an all-star caliber player. And we used to talk about him, oh, he's young, he's young, give him some time. I think this is the time that he can emerge into his own and we don't have to talk about him being young anymore. He's getting into his mid-20s. He could very well be one of the stars of this game and certainly a star within the Twins. I think that they've got very high expectations for him, and and uh, I wouldn't blame them for having those. I think he's going to have a good year at the plate. It seemed like everybody had a suggestion within the organization about what he had to do to get out of yeah. those slumps. Did that help? And he's, is he kind of done tweaking at this point? Well, I think you could make the argument that it hurts. I think you, at a certain point you have too many people talking to you, too many different hitting philosophies, too many mechanical tweaks or do this, do that. Uh, Tory Hunter said at last spring training that for a guy as talented as Buxton, he sort of just needs to let his game play. Now, I know that's a cliche, so I'm not trying to say that's the explanation for why he broke out in a big way. But if you're at the plate and you're thinking about your mechanics and the guy up there has got 97 with late movement, that's going to be pretty tough. He's going to tie you up in knots, and we saw that for extended stretches for Bucks and really struggling with contact rate and striking out a lot. But when you go up there and you know, all right, I'm going to try to hit a line drive here. I'm going to try to get a pitch in this area, and my swing can handle that. And then you get, if you get to two strikes, well, fine. Now I'm just in defensive mode. But 
it, the best way I can put his change last year in a short summary is that he went into attack mode. He was really more the aggressor in the count. And you don't see a lot of hitters able to do that uh, in today's game. Um, I, I don't know if that's the sole reason for his breakout, but to get back to your question, I think the main reason he was able to do that, he started tuning people out. He, he started to have fun with the game again and realize, yeah, can just let my talent play at this level, and and that's going to be good enough for him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I'm on the Buxton uh, bandwagon here to make you salivate even more. If you just take what he did from July 1st to the end of the season, and then double it or extrapolate it out to a full to a full season, here's what his numbers would be for 162 games if he if he was as productive the second half of the year for a full year. A 900 OPS with a 310 batting average, oh, 30 home runs. 91 RBIs, 116 runs, and 40 stolen bases. Oh, my goodness. Yes, please. Yeah. And yeah. the yeah. best defensive center fielder. <laughs> On in top ba- of Be it. the best player in baseball. That that would be. And, and he, I mean, he has that potential, I think, at this age. we He's already one of the best defensive players in baseball. Right? Yes. If yeah. he can improve offensively, imagine what you might get. And by the way, he doesn't have to even do that offensively to be in, you know, the, to get an MVP vote. Like, yeah. he could bat... 265, 270, get on base, draw a few walks, steal 35 bases, hit 15 to 20 home runs, and play gold glove defense, and he's one of the most valuable players in baseball just with that offensive productivity, Derek. Yes, I'm curious to see where they bat him this year because that type of player could hit anywhere. Of course, he could hit at the top with his speed. He can get on base. He can be a middle-of-the-order guy. I don't know exactly what the answer is or, or, or what the solution is, but um, if he puts up those kind of numbers, that's an MVP caliber player. When you when you combine it with his defense, with his speed, with his stolen bases, yeah, that's uh, that's the main reason why I think there's a a ton of upside in there. With that being said, it deserves to be noted that last September, so n- not last September, the September before, he had a breakout month. He was awesome. He hit 320 and tons of power. I think he had like 11 home runs or something ridiculous. And we all thought, there he is. He's arrived. Well, 2016 wasn't as friendly to him, and that uh, we kind of know how that played out. The start of the year last year was not that friendly to him. So he's done it for stretches before. Now can he do it from the beginning of April all the way through October? That's kind of what remains to be seen for him. So uh, what you can find is uh, all kinds of written stuff from Derek Wetmore at 1500ESPN.com and a couple new episodes of the Touch em All Twins podcast wherever you would subscribe to podcasts, and also you can find them at our website where uh, the, the latest one is basically us for a half hour just speculating on what it would take to land Chris Archer if those conversations continue. Derek, we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, Derek Wetmore, Medcalf hanging out here for the vacationing Judd. What's coming up in Stuff You Should Know About, Dave? I've got Olympic items like sarcasm that didn't go over well, Leslie Jones back live commenting on the events as she watched it, and somebody has made another return to the golf course. Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, press play. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Walgreens. Switch your Medicare Part D prescriptions to Walgreens and start saving today with co-pays as low as $0 on select plans with Tier 1 generics. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America. And the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. 
All right, we got Myron Metcalf in here from uh, all of the ESPN platforms, ESPN Radio. Dave, what kind of stuff do you have for us? Let's start in the NBA last night. It was the crossover on ESPN. You had Dave Pash, Bill Walton pairing with Doris Burke to call Portland Trailblazers Golden State Warriors. Little uh, college guys going to the program pro game. It's always fun, but let's be honest, it's always fun when Bill Walton is on the call, no matter who he's talking about. Walton first, talking about Steph Curry. Steph Curry is Mozart. Steph, uh, Mozart, he could write music before he wrote words, and that's what Steph Curry does. How about Walton's thoughts on the big man for the Blazers, the Bosnian beast, Yusuf Nurkic? Look at Nurkic play from Bosnia. How did he get over here? <laughs> How did he get over here? And, How is that possible? And finally, <laughs> Walton is great. Where's that nickname come from? Oh, Swaggy P. Oh, that's his nickname. Nick Young. Swaggy P. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. That's great. We had Dave. Best. Do you know Dave Pash at all? Yeah, yeah. So we had Dave on our show a couple. Was it last Friday? I guess. Yes. And I mean, he is. We were we were wondering, like, is it? Are you guys in on the bit together, you and Walton? Or he's like, well, I can't unveil all of that, but you know, I just, uh, I am, I'm just being myself, and he's being Bill, and that's why it works. Apparently. He survives, man. I don't know how he does it sometimes, but he's the right guy for that job. <laughs> oh, here, sorry. So now we can officially move yes. on, uh, Mr. College Basketball, Myron Metcalf. What's going on with Kentucky? They lose four in a row, first four game losing streak in nine years. You know, people down there are going. Like, they're going crazy over this. Four games in a row for them is like, that's like 15 games in a row. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And they're under 500 in conference play now, too. Is there a chance that they don't go to the NCAA tournament? What's their RPI at? Do you have any idea? It's pretty high. It was okay. pretty high start. It was top 20 start in the week. Okay, they still got to so slide a little bit more. I think they'll get in, but fans ain't going to be happy. Well, maybe. You remember when, was it was it UConn that was like an 8 or a 9 seed yeah. and then won the NCAA tournament? With... Yeah, that's not happening with these teams. Okay. No, <laughs> I didn't want to have to play this when I addressed what's going on right now at the Genesis Open, but I think I have to. I'm sorry, Phil. Wow. And now Phil Mackey does everything he can to ignore reality and defend a hero of his youth, despite knowing in his heart that hero is broken beyond repair. Tiger Woods, he's through four right now at the Genesis. He started out with a birdie. It was so good. Listen. And then he went double and and bogey, and then he did birdie number four, but he's one over right now. But, man, you go double bogey on the second yeah, after listen, birdie not, the first? What happened? This is out of context. It's unseasonably cold at the Riviera Country Club. It's it's tough to get a grip on your clubs, and it's it's not fair. They shouldn't have even teed off. It's it's unseasonably cold in Los Angeles right now. Like 60? And. It's, I think it's 65, but that's. But he, he got screwed over. What time did they tee off, for God's sakes? It's 1030. So they, they, they tee off at 6 o'clock? It's, it's not even light no out breakfast. there yet. Probably didn't get a good breakfast. Didn't get a good breakfast. It's just completely unfair. It, I think they played the first three holes in the dark. To be honest with you, it's actually not true, and it's off, partly sunny and sixty right off, now. That's and, uh, yeah. You can see Pacific your breath. Palisades. Okay. Off air, Mackie told me he thinks that Tiger can win five more. Right? 
That's out of context as well. I said take it one hole at a time. One hole at a time. Does that mean five more majors or five more tournaments? Or I am being misrepresented on my own radio show. Wow. I did say that. My, well, Myron said it'd be fun to watch him win one. And I said, well, if he can, if he's able to win one, he might as well. I mean, then he can probably win five. All right. Uh, show of hands. Who's uh, who's tuned into the NFL draft every year? Who actually watches? Oh. You know, more than just a couple picks in round one. Phil's got his hand I'm up. In on round, got I'm, his I'm, hand I'm up. in through round seven almost every year. Well, you've got options, boys. You've got a lot more options. Uh, well, at least one more option than you've ever had before. NFL Network, of course, carries the draft. ESPN, of course, carries the draft. Now a new report says, yes, the 2018 NFL draft will also be carried live over the air TV on Fox. Now, is that going to be a simulcast of NFL Network or its own production? It sounds like they will be taking the Rich Eisen-led NFL Network uh, feed. But, yes, you will be able to see it on free TV now. I kind of wanted Terry Bradshaw to break down random players from, like, the Big 12. (laughs) I like that. Why not just bring in Barkley? (laughs) You should bring in Barkley. (laughs) He should do every big TV event involving sports, yes. Everything involving college kids uh, that are close to being pros. Why not? Bring in Barkley. That kid can catch. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I don't watch a lot of football, but... Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. Uh, Bodie Miller uh, on Valentine's Day said something, and I'm pretty sure it was tongue-in-cheek. I'm pretty sure it was sarcastic. You be the judge, but let's just say uh, the pushback was heavy, and he had to apologize. Two overall titles, two giant slalom season titles, but the knee injury just before the 2015-16 season, Bodie, ended... Her great scheme just hasn't been the same thing. And yeah, you can, the knee is certainly an issue. I, I want to point out, she also got married. And it's historically very challenging to race on the World Cup with the family or, or after being married. It's just, you know, not to blame the spouses, but I just want to toss that out there that it could be your husband's fault. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> No, oh, no. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Wait. Wait, he apologized for that? He apologized he on Twitter say saying it was just a joke, blah, blah, blah. I love marriage oh, and my wife is great. Come on. He couldn't stop him. You could tell like he knew he was about to say something silly. He couldn't stop himself. Yeah, but I, th- I think he started off and was, was dead serious about the point. Yeah, and then, then realized, yeah, you're probably right. And you then, need a friend there who's like, no. No, no, no! Stop. And stop. maybe that's what was it. Dan Hicks in yes. the booth. With him? Dan Hicks is probably saying, "No, dude, no, you're gonna have to." All right, let's wrap this up with the best Olympic Olympic commentary out there. Leslie Jones. Every single day, it seems she's doing it on Twitter. Mystery Science Theater three thousanding the Olympic Games. We've got some highlights from yesterday's action, including what a certain uh, group or pair of a. Uh, pairs figure skaters was wearing the gal comes out in this like yellow polka dotty dress and the guy's got a matching yellow black polka dotty tie not like, a fan like dusty roads from the wwf days <laughs> in the it, 80s it was rough what is this mini mouse listen listen somebody sat down and sold that shit. they didn't see that when they picked up the material this is awful his his tie looked like a gag tie they better be doing jokes in this routine. <laughs> and when it came to figure skating, she really wasn't heavy on breaking down the action on the ice. No, it really was all about what people are wearing, including in the broadcast booth with Johnny Weir. And she even gets a mention about uh, Terry Gannon throwing on the pink for Valentine's Day. Yes, Johnny with the jacket. Looking like Jackie Onassis up in here with that little jacket. 
All y'all matching. Dude, dude, dude is so scared of them. He went out and bought a pink shirt. He probably has never in his lifetime bought a pink shirt and a pink handkerchief, but he just couldn't take it no more. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She's great. And let's wrap this up with Leslie Jones' thoughts on the skeleton. Oh, my God. Head first. But on your stomach head first. That's crazy. You are head first with that. Look at this wash. <laughs> Only a white person would come up with that. Listen, let me explain something to you. Y'all on the f- on this bullshit right here. There's, <laughs> dude, if I see a black person do this, I swear to God, I'm gonna kick them straight in the fucking ass. <laughs> oh, they, they're going 80 miles an hour head first. Yeah. Down an ice slide. I How could, is that safe? And, and, and to Leslie's point, I could I could assure you there are black folks everywhere. Like, wait a minute, y'all doing what? <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with this? <laughs> Just oh, trust me, God. Jermaine ain't doing the skeleton. <laughs> okay, all right. So, would you, if you had to pick an Olympic event, would it be skeleton head first, eighty miles an hour, or doubles luge, which we were watching yesterday morning, where you're laying on top of or vice versa your doubles luge partner? I'm gonna go ahead and quit the whole team. I'm, not, I'm just walking away. But probably, maybe the sky. I don't. None of it. None of it. How about some combination of like luge and doubles, luge and skeleton? Would that be that would be inappropriate? Face to face. It all feels inappropriate. Face to face. Wait a minute. Where are we going? Where are we going? Oh my god. Um, actually, there's a, there's another. Speaking of the uh, the Bodie Miller having to apologize when we come back. There's another great sports fake outrage apology story that we should touch on. Uh, we'll get into some go for basketball, state of the program stuff with Myron here. Also, uh, Matthew Collar in the noon on Vikings. But, you know, Luther Brookdale Toyota, before we go anywhere else here, is uh, blowing up their inventory for President's Day weekend. They are out of their minds here. Think about this. 600 new cars. 600 new cars and 0% financing on 12 different models within those 600 new cars. Um, 850-plus vehicles priced to move this weekend. So, hey, if you get out to the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, uh, they're actively trying to put you in a vehicle. Great deals. It's the President's Day weekend sales event. Open until 8 o'clock p.m. tonight, 6 o'clock p.m. Saturday, and at 8 p.m. on Monday. So be sure to stop in, see my friends on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, uh, where my family and I have been going for 30-plus years. Also, check out that Luther Lounge, where if you're waiting for paperwork or service, whatever it may be, they've got two massive 70-inch flat-screen TVs, so you don't have to miss any of uh, Bodie Miller ripping people. Um, you can bring the kids. There's a play area. There's free coffee, tea, you name it. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They have completely gone off the deep end. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. <sighs> the 2008 Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center. It starts tomorrow, runs through the weekend, and today is your last day to buy tickets in advance and receive over $470 in value. Each paid advance ticket well, you receive 19 free greens fee passes and your choice of a golf shirt. The offer ends at midnight tonight. Get it done. Purchase your tickets by heading over to minnesotagolfshow.com. And this portion of Mackie and Judd with Phil and Myron Medcalf today is sponsored by Catholic United Financial. You think you like figure skating? 
Terrell Lipinski and Johnny Weir don't just like figure skating. They f***ing love it. I am feeling this, guys. Oh! oh my gosh. So unexpected. Again, one of those moments they hit all the difficult elements and you trip like that. She didn't go down, though. It's not a mandatory one-point deduction, but it was otherwise a brilliant short program for them. We haven't seen them skate that well in no. quite some time. In a you Coons can see age, her really. smile ear to ear. Figure skating! Figure skating. Oh, yeah. yeah! Yeah! Toe loops! Kiss and cry! Yeah, hit the toe pick! Tassels! Triple lots! Dude, I, I'm all in on the... I was... I had two hours last night, Olympics, watching the... Is It's the downhill where they're going like 3,000 feet downhill over a minute and a half. And uh, they're like jumping fifty feet in the air, but also like going around different uh, what you call it, your way through yeah. the gates. Yeah, and and I was like, the question of the week is, could you, as a novice or have never skied before, either novice, be pushed out the gate? And if your only goal is to not die, could you accomplish that goal? And we all no. say no. Myron says no. No, no, no. <laughs> first, but first off, if you push me out, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna roll probably. Like I'm just gonna try to do something. Just, I'm not gonna try just to ski get it. to a snowbank somewhere yeah, until a helicopter like, can come, come on, find y'all. you. Yeah, something. <laughs> I'm gonna plead before you push me out. Like, don't don't do this. Yeah. So, all right. So Dave brought up this Bodie Miller. Let's let's play this one more time here. Bodie Miller made a comment. It was tongue in cheek, and he had to apologize for it. Two overall titles, two giant slalom season titles, but the knee injury just before the 2015-16 season, Bodie, ended. Her great scheme just hasn't been the same since. And yeah, you can, the knee is certainly an issue. I, I want to point out, she also got married. And it's historically very challenging to race on the World Cup with the family or, or after being married. It's just, you know, not to blame the spouses, but I just want to toss that out there that it could be your husband's fault. All right. So, I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. He was kind of serious. This was what he had to say on Twitter then. To be clear, I was not seriously blaming Anna Veith's lack of results on her husband. It's a changing of priorities. That is historically hard, male or female. I had the love and support of my wife while I was racing, and I know it can be a huge asset. Sure. Happy Valentine's Day. This is one one of those awkward things you just don't. Like, someone should have been there to stop him. Like, like, no, I know where you're going. Don't. It sounded like Dan Hicks may have, like, put his hand on (laughs) Bodie's shoulder as he's halfway through the sentence. (laughs) So if you thought that that was, I mean, I don't know if that warrants an apology, whatever. It's All right, here's another one. If you guys remember, there was a Super Bowl ad, a Jeep. The ad was just 30 seconds of a Jeep going down rough terrain into a stream with water up to its doors yes. and driving through the water and then driving up on top of like this little... Over like, the rocks. and Yeah, yes. like a place that you would never think a car could maneuver. And the, the commercial was, hey, our Jeeps can maneuver through this, through this water area and then up. Here's a story from MSN.com, Associated Press. The head of one of the nation's largest fish conservation groups says Fiat Chrysler Super Bowl ads glorified the destruction of aquatic habitat in an apparent attempt to appeal to off-road thrill seekers. It's the second time ads by the automaker have drawn complaints since the February 4th game. Quote, fish are tough and resilient critters, but they don't do well with several thousand pound vehicles driving over their spawning grounds tearing up the gravel where they lay eggs. Why someone would want to put out the idea that you should buy a Jeep so you could drive it up a creek is incomprehensible to me, said the head of the group. Stop. We're now offended by driving a Jeep through a stream on a Super Bowl ad. Now all I want to do is drive a Jeep. 
through a stream. You know, that Just should be get a, a nasty sport. email from this guy. That should be a new sport. Go fishing that way. Like, I mean, come on. You know what happened? How old are you, Mackie? Uh, 32. Going to be 33 in a couple months. Did this happen to you when you turned 30? You just stopped caring about a lot of stuff? Oh, my God. The level of... It's like this switch goes right. off in your head when you're 30. You just don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, neck beard in play. Nothing. And, I don't know. Almost to a fault. And I'm 34 and black. There's just like 85 things a day I just don't care about. Yeah. And this is one of them. Getting offended by a Super Bowl ad... Because someone's driving through a stream. Like, to me, we're always looking for something to be offended And then I think by. what happens is if one person or one group is offended, Everybody. if it happened 20 years ago, it might it might not even make the media because there's no social media. Now this comes out and everyone retweets it and, and sends it out. It's absurd. Well, there weren't, like, fish in the ad, right? It wasn't like they were mowing down fish in the ad, right? <laughs> I saw That'd be a little I mean, different. If there were like fish flying around like as this know. Jeep is mowing them down. It looked like the beaches of Normandy to that'd me. That'd be different. Bass. Yeah, that'd be, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be different. But, come on. Like, you can be offended by anything. I feel like there are groups that just wait after the Super Bowl to say, hey, we should be offended like, come on, man. I mean, read like read this quote again. Fish are tough and resilient critters, but they don't do well with several thousand pound vehicles driving over their spawning grounds. They don't do well come with on, ovens dude. either. But we put them in there. <laughs> How about that, the ovens? Why don't you go protest restaurants all over America? Is the group complaining about sport fishing where literally the sport is put a hook through a fish's lip exactly. as many times as you and can? Maybe it comes through the eye. Yes. We're not sure, right? And maybe we'll throw you back. Maybe and, we'll put you in the on the stovetop. And then throw you back without an upper lip. Right? <laughs> exactly. Now you got to go the rest of your life, no lip. Yeah. Right? Because somebody wanted to fish. No one's so, complaining about that. So this guy is super offended. He said his group's 300,000 members and supporters. Um, he has three hundred thousand jeeps, but the images were upsetting. So apparently, there's three hundred thousand people who are who are uh, vouching on behalf of the fish who are decimated we, in that stream. We gotta cancel groups. Like we need to have better requirements for forming groups because <laughs> now anybody can form a group and be upset. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.